0: As we continue the 2nd Corinthians series today, there is a, a second message that I really want to urge those of you who weren't here two weeks ago. The first message was the introduction. and The background would be very important on, to understand the second letter of Apostle Paul to Corinthian church. Um, we went over... Seven verses, which is a part of introductional, introductory, introductory uh, paragraph. Um, we're gonna cover, focus on eight through eleven, but in order for us to have um, comprehensive view of this introductory passage, we need to do a couple of reca- recaps. And one, one is a little bit of background, and two is. Um, the first two reasons for the total four reasons Apostle Paul provides in this introductory passage about why God allows affliction in our lives. In our lives, meaning believers' lives, not uh, even to those who belong to Christ, or belong to God. So let's begin with uh, these... Quick recap um, <clears throat> second corinthians um, it's a, l- a bit confusing because it's literally fourth corinthians because Paul actually wrote four letters to the Corinthian church, two were lost so let it, call, call, let's call those a letter a b c d a, letter A was lost. It was ineffective in correcting the problems after he planted a church for about eighteen months and as he travels on other cities to a missionary journey, he wrote that letter, which was ineffective, and then letter B was what we know what we know as First Corinthians, which was also ineffective. And then Paul said I need to go see them personally. He planted a church. He was a founder. He was the apostle, which means one who is sent by Christ himself. And when he went, it became what we know as a painful visit. Instead of making situation better, uh, convincing them his apostolic authority and have them listen and submit to his guidance through that time. There are several issues, divisive spirit divisions in the church, incest, sexual sins, worship disorder, so many things were going on. And they, one of them quite, Frankly, when the, one of the, the op, op, opposition group leader opposed him and the rest of them became quiet and Paul was humiliated and it was to a point that he just couldn't go on anymore. Instead of retaliating, he left. He was supposed to come back After visiting Macedonia, but instead of coming back, he went to Ephesus directly, and that became another misunderstanding. And then, instead of coming back, he wrote uh, what we, what he calls a letter written with tears. Uh, Some theologians called it severe letter, harsh letter. So instead of in person, he rebuked them in the letter. That letter, letter C, was also lost. But it was effective. They repented. And they have changed the course. And they have confronted that rebellious leader. But Paul, waiting to find out how Corinthian church responded, he couldn't wait anymore because of the anxiousness. He was in Troas. That passage is coming up uh, literally explaining why he changed changed the traveling plan. And he decided to go to Macedonia, which is the northern part of Greece, to meet up with Titus, who carried the uh, letter and who supposed to report back. When he met Titus, he heard such a good news that Corinthians, majority of them repented and they now submit and uh, follow the leading. So with that gratitude and joy, he wrote Second Corinthians, letter D. So if you look at Second Corinthians chapter 1 through for chapter 9, such a warm, kind uh, Enduring tone of voice and then God of comfort is overarching uh, theme there. A couple more things. In the midst of all this, Paul just went through life-threatening ordeal in Asia. Um, whenever New Testament mentions Asia or Asia Minor, it is our modern time Turkey, Ephesus, the part of that land. Um, especially, specifically he means he means Ephesus. So what he's going through right now is has gone through so much pain and suffering affliction that revealed his weakness and with the joy that he's writing. He shows his heart so transparently, which is God's comfort. The introductory is benediction of God, benediction to God, praise to God. And the theme is God's comfort in affliction. And that's actually... Paul's way of introducing the theme of the entire letter, Strength and Weakness. This is a remarkable thing. And I uh, I obviously went study ahead uh, knowing the reality of today's church world and culture and leadership. I am deeply thankful not just for you, But for me, my personal opinion is every pastor needs to read this letter every year. One serial at least. Because it sets the tone of that. So, first two reasons, as I promised. Let me do a quick recap. Um, Why does God allow affliction in our lives? In believers' lives? First, reason is God allows it to comfort us in affliction. To comfort us affliction means to give God strength and strengthen us in our weaknesses as the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all in all our affliction? Notice that in this short paragraph, ten times the word "confliction," uh, the comfort and affliction is continually repeated. Remember Paul's near death ordeal. in Ephesus, he experienced that, and and I think there's an undertone to it. External trouble was there, but internally, you know, if you think about uh, uh, when you can't go to sleep in the middle of the night, when you lose your sleep, when you get up one thirty two o'clock in the morning and you just can't fall back to sleep because so many things are on your mind racing through your heart in your heart you you could feel that your blood pressure coming going up it's because of internal tensions and conflicts and just imagine that the the church that he founded, he had this turmoil and thinking about his painful visit, humiliation that he had. But if you know Paul, if you read through the 2nd Corinthians, his humiliation is not the main reason of his trouble. His main reason is because he cares about the church. Their rejection of his apostleship means the, true, the rejection of true gospel in Christ himself. So I thought about uh, modern psychology, pretty good book that we ought to read: Boundaries. There's a boundary series, right? So I think many of problems enabling factors, we ought to read boundary and get better at our boundaries. But, brothers and sisters, Paul is not practicing boundary here. The healthy boundary for him emotionally, leave them alone. Move on. But he cannot give them up. The one who is offended is actually providing comfort here. And that comfort it comes from the Greek word parakleo or paraklesis meaning that the comforter uh, one who helps comes alongside the Holy Spirit. The root word is for that. So lest we think that comfort is some kind of a kind words ah, feels a bad for you. I really hope that you would do better. The kind gesture of those words, it's far more than that. It has one who is walking alongside it. Beyond the empathy, it's a participation in that difficulty and strengthening is there. And in other words, God strengthens us in in such a way that we can never experience unless we're under that kind of real pressure. In a good times, even if we want to, we will not experience God's strength and comfort that way. He begins with that. First reason. Second reason is God allows it so that we can also comfort others in affliction with the same comfort that we experienced from God. Verse 4, the latter part below, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted it is your comfort for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope is for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings you will also share in our comfort. There are different types of affliction, isn't it? The con- uh, the affliction that you cannot avoid the trials that come at you hit, hit you. The afflictions that, that are avoidable, there are two kinds. The One is because of your own sin or mistakes or stupidity, you run into a wall and you should not run into the wall and you run into the wall and bleed. That's uh, the basic wisdom is trusting the Lord obey and uh, turn away from evil and then God will make your path straight. That's all the avoidable. There's another avoidable thing. When you follow the kingdom of God and God's desire and you pay the cost of participating in that, which includes the suffering that requires us to share the gospel or care for that person. And he he sees it as in the part of "Because Christ has suffered, this is my participation in the gospel." next week, I can't uh, wait until we explore that more. It, this is really the foundational theological problem of our current uh, mindset in Christian world. And it's, and the simple world is a triumphalism. The theology of glory. That we have conquered everything. So even in Second Corinthians. The idea is. The real super apostles. And real powerful leaders. Workers for God are victorious and don't really go through this suffering. But Paul basically is marked by pain and suffering. And became, that became one of their criticism against Apostle Paul. If he really belonged to Christ and if he's really Apostle of Christ where is the power? Where is external power? Where is the glory? And to a point, he doesn't seem very attractive. He He's speaking in person. Public speaking is bad. Apollos, on the other hand, they went on. But when you think about when you experienced your comfort from God, oh, there's immediate connection with the people who are going through the same pain you have gone through, isn't it? And Brian and Hyojung's story just speaks volume. And their passion and comfort, their compassion for those people who have children, who's going through a health problem, development problem. Even Kate and I when our first son was diagnosed as uh, autism spectrum disorder, the world became dark. And you know, the population who are experiencing uh, ASD, the autism spectrum disorder is increasing quite a bit, but they seem to be all younger kids than Soran, which means this became our ministry. People contact us. I said, ah, we, we heard about you. How did you go through that? Uh, what are some things that you could advise? And not to mention, for those of you who experience loss of a dear one through cancer or debilitating disease that your mom and dad are still fighting. As you are strengthened by God through those difficult times, that becomes the best comfort that you could provide. Better than practical advices, medical opinions, pop psychology or rah-rah cheerleading, which is very annoying when you're going through a tough time. But you know how to be quiet. How, sit, how to sit in the pool of pain together without fixing anything. There are two more. In, this two, in today's passage, verse 8 through 11, is packed with wisdom, spiritual truth. Here's the third one. God allows it to make us rely on not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. It was intentional for me to use Paul's Apostle Paul's words verbatim here, verse eight. For we do not know we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the death sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Scholars say we don't know what that exactly is. But there are some commentators, which I heartily agree, think that this is a part of what happens in Acts chapter 19. Um, Paul's ministry was incredible in Ephesus, city of Ephesus. Three years, and it ended because of this affliction. The temple of Artemis, the uh, fertility goddess, that was a seven. one of the seven wonders of ancient time. The huge, even bigger than uh, Athens temples. And then people tour. At the end of the tour, what do you do? You need a souvenir. They're a little bit of a uh, silversmith made uh, Artemis or the little shrine that you could take it back in your backyard and pray to that, worship that. That was main business of many people. And because of Paul's gospel people begin to turn away from idols that doesn't can't even move and Paul's word, the living God, and people stop buying things, and economically they were threatened. That's why we need to get rid of Paul. Now, obviously, with a little bit of rah rah love for the city, great is, uh Adamus, the you, know, you know basically the. Um, it's another word. Call it a Diana. Uh, Roman version is Venus. All that is the same category of that. But there basically said, Ephesus belongs to Adamus. and the glory belongs to Adamus. And the riot happened. Paul always. Almost killed if he had gone into the theater, the temple itself. So it's the part of Acts chapter 19 is quiet, going into 20. And so scholars say, oh, it would probably mention him, maybe more recent. He was deadly sick, he was almost died because of sickness and whatnot. But once again, my guess, along with the commentators, is that part of that is something more than what was written was happening to him. He felt I guess I'm dying. Okay. With that background, I need to stay with me here. This is the most important part that we need to get it on this reason. Despite what people think I would honestly say contrary to most of us assumption, our assumption, we don't really trust God. <coughs> let, me, let me make a point here. So let's say um, you need another you know, five to $10,000 to make sure that our, your kids can go to good school. Uh, the entrance or fee or whatever it is there and then you share could you pray for us we we are short on this Uh, Yeah, we pray because it feels good to have some people pray for us having done that what our default mode is constantly think about how we could come up with our plan just in case prayer doesn't work, we were, not, we were not even aware of it. Talking to people, finding things out, and then it came out because of our researching. So that $10,000 we left somehow provided. And we wouldn't say, use the word, praise God, God answered our prayer, thanks for praying for us. Two, three months later, when people, if you think about it on your own, or people ask you, well, it just happened. We, did God really do it? I, I'm not even sure. So, first thing that we need to realize is before we just have the aversion to any time of trouble, there are times that we. Want to trust God, but can't. Want. Because our self reliance is so powerful in us, overpowering. Our, our trust and faith becomes conceptual, uh, just language. But what happens? When affliction happens, it breaks this stubborn self, pride self. Let me give you a brief uh, illustration on this. Through my childhood, I've never been that sick. I even come on cold. And even these days, I usually, uh, year long, I don't get sick. So when, you know, growing up when my brother was sick and people visit and bring nice things and cartoon books and, you know, goodies, and I so envy, my, my, my hope was oh, someday I'll get sick like that and get a <laughs> But even just a few weeks ago, um, I thought I I would be okay to kick off, the, you know, kick this flu that uh, I, I caught. Usually it takes me one day to sleep through the day. Okay, bad flu? Two days. I couldn't shake it off for a whole week. My life was miserable. Whatever happened to my Um, positive look on life when I am really sick in the middle of the night everything looked gloomy I see my smallness the brevity of life my health can break down overnight just like that And when I stay there for a while the only option is look to God. Isn't it? The problem is we have too many options. God becomes one of the options. In this near death affliction Paul was stripped down. Have no options whatsoever. And let me give you a point. Like a Thought process that was very helpful for me. <clears throat> when affliction happens, it reveals that whether we trust in ourselves, or in in our in, on our God, whether our hearts are divided, whether we are fully wholeheartedly trust God. We might say, "I trust God, right? God is only all I have," kind of thing. So think about this. Did Paul know? God can raise the dead? Yes. Did Paul believe that God can raise the dead? Certainly, yes. The question is, then what changed in Paul's faith through this near-death affliction? Paul's faith was stretched, strengthened in real life, firsthand as a result Paul now has an experiential knowledge of God's power, which is called conviction. He has three convictions here. Past conviction. He has delivered me, delivered us. It, is, it was him, no doubt whatsoever, because I could not have done it. Two near future. He will deliver us in this situation, in this kind of situation, again. But third one is so important to pay attention. The ultimate future and his ultimate hope was not physical Safety. It was in God for eternal safety. Because eventually, the ultimate affliction he faced in Rome, in dungeon, he was beheaded, tradition tells us. And by the way, you know, on the last weekend's date night, Kate and I saw this movie called Paul, the Apostle of Christ. I, I, I really liked it a lot. Cause ma- number one, I, I really don't like cheesy, superficial, religious film, which it was not. And another thing is the Hollywood's interpre- interpretation of, of Scripture, what happens Scripture. It was not. So it, it was an in- imaginary, imaginary thing was there, but a lot of Paul's dialogue, is taken from a Paul's epistles. If you read through uh, New Testament and you enjoyed meditating on Paul's letters, oh, he's using those words. And as an apostle, he quotes Jesus himself in his conversation, normal conversation. And the whole thing doesn't have a glorious uh Hollywood effect of victory. I I, I think I they could have my personal opinion is made a little more joyful on Paul's confessions, but it's it's marked by the persecution. The end end of the scene is more like you know, this film is dedicated to dedicated to to all those who are going through persecution have gone through it. For Christ's sake. So I was really moved. I would highly recommend. But don't look for Hollywood, good, good, feeling, good uh, film. To say all this, I'm saying. Our ultimate hope also is in Christ Jesus for eternal safety. So for those of you lost your your dad and miss you miss him so dearly your mom your mom Or well, for you maybe you're like me, my brother who had brain infection and got affected uh, with a speech impediment, and he can't use the right hand the right side. Nothing that very much changed except that he's not going to die through this. Praise God for that. Where is the hope? The, the theology of glory says that he will pick it up from this point on, that he begins to speak fluently. and that because he used to be a pastor, because he used to be an author, that he will write and he will preach more powerfully than ever then everyone will see power of God. That's called theology of glory. But theology of cross is that when we participate in the suffering of Christ, we see through the lens of faith different kind of values of eternity perspective. In Southern California, especially in Orange County, that all our values are determined by two words, affluence and comfort. This is a vigilance war. Spiritual battle is to have the correct vision. Otherwise, we're going to be deadly in trouble, even in our religiosity. We will feel disappointed, angry at God when things are not going our way. The happy ending ending might not be he, here on earth. We will be able to praise God in our sorrows. We will be able to rejoice for our uh, Crossway family, church members, I'm going to mention several things. We've seen this in real life in Justin's long problem as we prayed. God's power revealed in the weakness of Jeng family that we gathered around. That was the first time I think we did fa- fasting and prayer chain years ago. And who would forget about Ho's kidney stone in the middle of retreat. He almost didn't make it. And as we pray, that God answer. My son's bike accident two, three years ago. had his mom's passing, Christina's dad passing, uh, Brian's cancer, and the whole thing just fall, fell apart. Every single time, what have we experienced? Increased faith. Strengthening of their Hope. I want you to check this out. Eugene Peterson paraphrases this passage, and it's always could start studying with a good um, close to literal translation I will highly recommend, because we use English standard version, ESV, which is very close to literal translation. Read that first, and when you read paraphrase like this, it helps much. I really love this part. He, he writes, he paraphrases it like this verse 8 through 10. It was so bad we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could happen, could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength, or wits to get out of it, we're forced to trust God totally, not a bad idea, since he's the God who raises the dead. And he did it. Rescued us from certain doom. And he will do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. Oh, isn't that good? There's one more. Um, Fourth and uh, last reason is God allows it so that our church community may be revitalized through prayers. Our Christian community, but it's probably best for us to think about our church community as a whole in context, In other words, not alone. Let me read it again. God allows us so that our church community may be revitalized through prayers, sharing the blessings of the body life, community life, church life, as the members of Christ's body, with thanksgiving to God. Verse 10, reading it again to verse 11 and he will deliver us on him he we have set our hope that he will deliver us again verse 11 you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many isn't that incredible What happened on Friday night during our leadership team meeting, the sense of crisis united us. What happened during the Saturday 7 a.m. prayer meeting, because of crisis, that many people, most people came out. The room was packed, and you could see and sense God uniting our hearts. The prayers were fervent and earnest People are encouraged. I am a sola scriptural person, so I, whenever I share experience I be very careful, right? But I had charismatic experience. I felt something washed through my stress and all these worries and stresses and all that is washed away as we pray. A sense of joy. Set in in our hearts. This is really important part, that so that we know that we belong to each other. We're not supposed to go through hard times alone. Rugged individualism in American culture is not biblical, and not good, not healthy. And there are two types of people who die out of sickness, out of cancer. We find out the neighbor across us, my, my street, I, he, he helped helped me quite a bit because he's such a handy man. Whenever any, when anything breaks in my house, I say, "Help, help me." He, um, we didn't know until. His wife told us at the very stage because he was stubborn not to share anything fourth stage of cancer, and he finally got hospitalized and waiting to die, and they let us let me know and I could gladly come pray for him i did went, but he was already in coma stage. I did pray for him not. I wish I could pray when he was looking at me. That death was so, even the funeral was so sad. That compared to our family, there's few deaths, and I still remember, I hope it doesn't bring you so much of your sadness again, Christina. Christina's dad passed away because of cancer. I remember walking into him when Krishna was calling and weeping, walking into the house, and he just passed away. A few minutes ago, he was just lying there. And the people, the house is filled with people. Not just relatives, the people who are believers praying, coming. The memorial service was celebratory. I preached for just 10 minutes probably there. That was such a comfort for me (coughs) as well. Do you go through Tough time. As a body, members of the body of Christ, you are to share. I'm grateful, Evangeline, I I hope I don't put you in the spot. She had news about uh, thyroid cancer, scared to death. We find out. And I was visiting with her and Ulysses, encouraging them. And they were so vulnerable. Didn't know how to handle that as they're going through an operation. Surgery has to be successful. And I gently encourage I know it's been very difficult. You never emailed our church-wide email before. Maybe this is the time. Share your prayer request. And they did. As of today, Evangeline is cancer free. Hallelujah. And they're strengthened, their marriage is strengthened. As we are going through this uncertainty, do you hear God's call? Not necessarily praying for solution, but it causes us to depend on God. Our complacency, our conflicts, our problems can be restored in such a refreshing way that God gives us in true sense of revival among us. That's what God desires. That our body is strengthened. The body of Christ is built because of our togetherness. And prayers. And Brian shared about cancer. Oh, who would rem- Who who can forget? The whole church jumped in and prayed and helped. And I still remember just visiting Brian. Brian up in UCLA Medical Hospital. Hyojeong didn't have any energy to pay attention to other things who well, Brian was cared by. I was afraid that I might be only one. Find out there's so many people who dropped by, who drove him there, who delivered meals to them, who watched the kids so that they could have, Brian could, took, I mean, Hyojun can take a break from all these little ones running around. sisters and brothers, especially you belong to the crossway, this is a time that God has given this passage to us to deal with our affliction with faith. Not half-hearted faith, not rationalizing faith, but full faith that we're going to experience the power of God together again, God's provision again if you are visiting with us, you belong to Christ in a whole sense, in a bigger sense. You are the church. You are our brothers and sisters that you need to hear it as you go back to your community. And you need to practice this kind of body life together. Here are four things in summary again. Why does God allow affliction in our lives Number one, to comfort us in affliction. Number two, so that we can also comfort others in affliction. Number three, to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. The reason why that raise the dead is important because that's our ultimate hope. Even if we don't physically make it, he will raise us on that day that our mortal body will be resurrected, immortal body, and we shall dwell and reign with Christ as co-heirs forever and ever for the glory of God, for the fullness of joy. And number four, so that our church community may be revitalized through prayers. And there will be thanksgiving. And there will be praises. I close with this quote from Tim Keller. One of his latest, latest book is about suffering, walking with God through pain and suffering. There are a couple of quotes. There are two different quotes. but I feel it's really poignant and point to the same direction of this message. Some suffering, he writes, is given in order to chastise and correct a person for wrong patterns of life, as in the case of Jonah, imperiled by the storm. Some suffering is given not to correct the past wrongs, but to prevent future ones as in the case of Joseph sold into slavery. And some suffering has no purpose other than to lead a person to love God more ardently for himself alone and so discover the ultimate peace and freedom. You don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Suffering itself is not good at all. We're not looking for pain. But God who's in that suffering is good and he's sovereign. And He has good purposes for us. Let's trust. Welcome the afflictions and troubles and pressures in our lives. Including uncertainty of our our church future here. May the Lord be with you and comfort you with these words. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this relevant passage it's coinciding with what we are going through as church community, Lord. And we confess that most of the times we assume that we're trusting you because we say it and because we use those languages and ask people to pray for us. Teach us that you are actually revealing what we are trusting in, in in our difficult troubles and affliction. And teach us to trust you like a child, experiencing your power personally, having convictions of our future steps, and as church, we are so thankful for this lesson you taught us just past year about through the zoning issue. Who would ever forget? And we also experienced that praises and thanksgiving as an entire church with our little ones. Our teenagers, they saw and, and experienced the power of God Certainly, our small, humble church cannot change the zoning laws all by itself. But going forward, our challenge is new. Our fear is real. Our practical needs, our meeting place is pressing. And teach us to trust you and be the body of Christ, one body together in unity in prayer. And individually I pray that that you will teach us in our personal walk to practice these principles in our lives. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.